um, just to kind of get everybody up to speed where where we where we are. Uh, remember, what we're doing is we're going back to the basics, and like I said, I think here recently we, we've got a little more off the basics and a little bit more in depth, just because of uh, the content of, of of what we're dealing with. And uh, remember, we first started off with the gospel. We talked about salvation, what it is, what it's not. Uh, we talked about the gospel, what it is, what it's not. Um, we're 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 now dealing with um, understanding just the basics of right division, right? Um, we've talked about who we are in Christ. We talked about our identity. Um, now, really, what we're doing is we're going through how to rightly divide the Bible. And then what we'll do once we're done with that one is um, we'll look more into the Bible issue itself. So verse brings up verses every week. And uh, so there's some, some basic information that we want to make sure that we have settled in our minds and in our, in our soul uh, about the book that we have in front of us and why we are confident that we have the very Word of God uh, to us in our language. And we'll talk about that um, a little bit more. And of course, Bruce, he, uh, he gets to talk about those every Sunday morning, and we greatly appreciate him, him doing that. Um, and of course, right now what we're dealing with is we're dealing with those ages to come, right? So today's a TV recording day, so we've got the chart up here. So we're really looking at this issue over here after the rapture of the church, We've dealt with the 70th week of Daniel, um, and we've gone through all that stuff, and now we've been dealing with the second coming of Christ. And so I'm thinking today what we'll do is kind of move into that, from that second coming of Christ into that millennial kingdom, and we'll take a look at some of those things. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll see how far we get with that, and we'll continue on until we get to Ephesians 1.10. Uh, which deals with that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, God's going to gather all things in heaven and all things on earth um, in one, in Christ. So um, that'll, be, that'll be where we end off as we go through here. So um, Zechariah chapter 4, um, let's just take a look at, um, my bad, 14. Yeah, thanks Bruce. You know, everybody, everybody that's had COVID says there's this COVID brain thing that you forget stuff and it's hard to remember things. I don't think I've had COVID, but I do have COVID brain, so at least I'll blame it on that one. Uh, we'll see. So, thank you, Bruce. Zechariah chapter 14, uh, verse 8. We'll start off in verse 8. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information about what's going to be taking place in the ages to come. Let us not forget that we do still have part in those ages to come, and uh, that's one of those reasons why we need to be able to study it, uh, that we might be prepared uh, for the job that you have for us, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, um, one of the things we've talked about and we've gone through is, of course, the issue of that 70th week of Daniel, right? That was prophesied back in Daniel. Uh, we found out that there was going to be some things that's going to be taking place up here in the heavens. 
Um, Satan and his angels are going to be cast down when Christ comes back. Remember, uh, one of the things we talked about last week is he's going to have a vesture dipped in blood because he's fighting. There's a war that's going to take place. Um, and, of course, we know Paul's epistles, he says, what? Grace and peace as opposed to war and judgment. Right, And that's what we've got going on today is you've got grace by the Father and peace by Jesus Christ. And so then one of these days there will be a war. And we know that that's going to, be able to, that's going to take place. And when Christ returns, and that's going to be the second coming, uh, remember we talked about the first coming was just Him coming, and he, there was a particular purpose and reason for Him coming. And this second time He's going to come back, his eyes are going to be like fire. That's not the way it was the first time, right? And so then there's going to be some things that's going to take place, and we're going to continue on looking at these. But notice this in verse 9. What's it say? You're going to have a kingdom that is set up on the earth. And real quick, how long does that kingdom last? 1,000. Well, you've got 1,000, but then that kingdom continues on, right? So that, and, and so what's interesting here, and we'll take a look at that thousand years um, and what's the purpose behind that and things like that, but that thousand year reign, really that's almost like a, it's a, you know, how, you know how Matthew's a transition book from the Old Testament into what the life of Christ was going to be about and the book of Acts is a transition book to change from law to grace? Well, the thousand year reign is basically like a transition into the everlasting kingdom. And there's things that's going to be taking place during that thousand-year reign to prepare for that kingdom. So uh, it's really interesting. We'll take a look at that. So when Christ comes back, he's going to rule and reign uh, for a thousand years, and then something else is going to take place, and then we move on. All right. Now, let's go and take a look at this. What do we see here in, in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9? Now, if you look back in verse 4, that's where he comes back and splits the Mount of Olives into two halves, right? You get down to verse 9, notice, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord, and his name one. So what's going to happen is, one day there will be a kingdom here on the earth, right? And we've talked about that and looked at that and dealt with those things. There's something that God's doing with the earth that he's prophesied and talked about from the very beginning. Real quick, go back to morning. Go back to go back to Genesis real quick. <clears throat> I want you I want you to notice something that's that's really really interesting um, to me is let's go back to, to Genesis chapter one. <clears throat> uh and of course, we don't have it on the chart. But I want you to think, back here with Adam, Genesis chapter 1, there's something going on that we want to make sure that we keep, keep in mind as we go forward. Um, notice here, Genesis chapter 1, let's read verse 28. All right? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God gave, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. We all know that, right? That's, that was one of the purposes for Adam and Eve is to what? To be fruitful and multiply to replenish the earth. Notice. What's he say? And what? Subdue it. 
Now, I want you to think about something real quick. When God creates Adam and Eve, and he says to Adam and Eve, I want you to, what, multiply and replenish the earth. Then he says, and subdue it. Well, that means that there's something going on already where Adam is to take back and subdue the earth. And what's the last part there? And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Um, what's interesting is when you look at what Adam is doing, God is setting up Adam to be a king in a, in a, in a kingdom, in a city here on earth. That's what he set him up to be, to have... Um, to bring it back under God's authority. That idea of subduing it, that there, there's a battle that, that will take place. So when, when we get over, and we'll take a look at this um, in a little bit, in Matthew 25, when Jesus Christ is talking, and He says, um, He's talking and he's, he's splitting up those that are on the, on the right hand and left hand. He says, Come and inherit the kingdom that was what? prepared from you from the beginning. So we'll take a look at that a little bit. So the issue there is God created man to have dominion and subdue the earth, to be a king in it. And so that's an important thing that I want us to make sure that we keep in mind. So in, in Zechariah 14, when he's coming back and he's going to set up that kingdom, there's some other things that are going to take place. So let's go get this real quick um, so we don't... Don't lose our, our track. So go get uh, Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 20. And we'll just we'll just start from there. <clears throat> All right. In, in Revelation 19 is where you find out that his eyes were as a flame of fire and he's coming back and his, he's clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And he's going to come back and he's going to make war. Um, out of his mouth comes a sword. We've gone through those things. We've looked at the Battle of Armageddon. We've talked about that. Um, but notice, <clears throat> let's take a look at this real quick. Um, I said chapter 20, right? Okay, so Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, one of the first things that we got to think about is there's this pit that is bottomless, and apparently it has a gate to it. If it doesn't have a gate or some sort of door, then why would the angel need a key to it, right? So when, when we think about this, you go over to Jude, Jude verse 6, and talks about those things. Um, let's take a look at that real quick. Go over to Jude <clears throat> chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, right? Uh, verse 6. Jude verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, 
He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that of the great day. So we see those chains there, right? In Jude 6, back over in, in Revelation chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Um, you can go take a look at Second Peter. He talks about the same thing. But notice here. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him. How long? All right. So when he comes back, he's going to cast them down into what? The bottomless pit for how long? A thousand years. That's where we get the thousand years, the millennial kingdom, right? Um, that's where that comes from. Notice, keep on going. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Now, again, that goes back to that. The, the, there's a bar. There's bars. We can take a look at these. We, we, we looked at before, but there's bars, gates, gate, if you will, on this bottomless pit to shut him up. Notice, and set a seal upon him. You're not getting out for a thousand years. Now, keep on going. Why would he, why would he shut him up and, and seal him? That he should deceive the nations no more. What I find interesting is till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So during, during that time period, there's going to be, who is it that he's not going to be able to deceive anymore? The nations, plural, right? Not nations, singular, but nations, plural. And that's going to come in handy when we talk about these things. So, and after that, he must be loosed a little season. So after that thousand years, he's going to be loosed. So there was a seal put on it. He, he's, he's barred in. He's, he's shut in. He's going to be loosed for a little season. And I, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've, always, I've always thought, I was like, I wonder, what a, I wonder what a season is scripturally. And then what does he mean by a little season? And uh, when, when we were down in Tennessee, I asked Brother Jordan, I was like, so what do you think it means when he says um, that, he was, that he must be loosed a little season? What's a little season? He's like, state it out and tell us. <laughs> That's not the answer I was looking for. I wanted you to help me. Um, but it's interesting. He was like, go find it out, and then you can come back and teach all of us. Um, but I've not figured it out yet, but still working on it. Um, you know, you go back and you've got, in, in Genesis, you've got seasons, right? Summer, winter, fall, and all that stuff. So we know that. So we know that there's something there with season. But that one word, little, is what's got me. What, what do you mean by a little season? Anyway, but here's the thing. What do we know? It's a finite time, right? That little season comes to an end at some point. Now, how long that is, I'm not sure yet. But um, let's keep on going. Verse 4. And I saw thrones. Now, that's going to come in handy um, here in a moment. <clears throat> Just out of curiosity, how many how many thrones do you think there are? Just out of curiosity. Twenty-four. Twelve. Twelve. All right, let's let's keep on going. <clears throat> and I saw a throne, and because you got to think, where where are we? 
uh, we're dealing with we're dealing with this thousand year reign and all this stuff, right? Notice verse four, and we'll come back to that. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, verse 7 and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. All right, so let's stop there um, for right now because we, we want to make sure that we get some other things as well. There's, there's some things that's going to be taking place during that millennial kingdom uh, that I want to make sure that we, we keep in mind. Notice, we see that, he's going to be, that, we, we see that Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. We see that there's going to be people sitting on, th on thrones judging and you've got some other people that's going to have a resurrection, and they're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. So let's take a look at um, some other things real quick. Um, go back to go back to Genesis. Uh, we were just there a moment ago. Um, let's go back to Genesis chapter nine, and I, I want us to I want us to see something that's slightly different. Um, remember, we looked at Genesis chapter 1 just a moment ago. Um, and I want you to see one thing that's slightly different. What was it that God told Adam and Eve? What did he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it, right? Well, notice this. After the flood, what does God tell Noah? Notice Noah chapter or Genesis chapter nine verse one. There is no book of Noah. I apologize for that. Genesis chapter nine. We're talking about Noah. There we go. Verse one, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply. Was that something that he told Adam and Eve? Yes. And replenish the earth. Was that something he told Adam and Eve? Yes. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon the fishes of the sea. Into your hands are they delivered. Is there something that he didn't tell Noah and his sons that he told Adam and Eve? He didn't tell them to subdue it and have dominion over it, right? So... When you think about this, you know, we were talking the other night about, you know, dispensationalism is based on one verse. It's not. It's based on all the verses. That's one minor little difference between Adam and Noah. And that's a big difference. And we'll see why as we go through. Uh, real quick, go over to Matthew chapter 6. Um, and and there, there are reasons why that that, 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 that didn't take place. But I want you to I want you to remind remind ourselves that there is something that God had decided to do before the foundation of the world, and He knows exactly how He's going to go about it. Now that doesn't mean that He is going to cause everything in your life to take place or anything like that. But He has a plan, 
And within that plan, he allows us to have free will to be part of that plan or not. All right? His plan is the main thing. And that plan doesn't involve whether a battery goes dead in the middle of recording or whatever it may be. All right? Those little things. Life happens. We get that. We live in a fallen creation. The problems that we have in life, sometimes because we live in a fallen creation, sometimes we just make bad decisions. And another one is just because we're living for Christ. All right? And he says... Yea, they, those that will live godly. And that's not that if you're living godly. It's those that choose to live godly. By, by free will, if you choose to live godly, you will suffer persecution. That's that, third, that's that third type that a lot of people don't like to be a part of because everything in life is, is rosy and peachy and all that stuff. And because I'm, I'm saved, so nothing's going to happen, right? But notice here, Matthew chapter 6, God has a plan for what He's doing. Notice here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, when Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount is talking to um, those folks there that gathered with Him in chapter 5, verse 1, on, on that mountain, verse 10, what's He say? When He's teaching them to pray, He says, Thy kingdom, what? Come, thy will be done. What kingdom? Well, it's the kingdom, then we're going to find this out, that was promised back here all the way back to the very beginning. Um, when, when John the Baptist shows up, what's he preach? Repent for the kingdom is at hand. When Jesus Christ starts preaching, what's he say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When the twelve go and preach, what do they preach? The kingdom's coming. The kingdom's at hand. So what are they expecting to take place is a literal, visible, physical, earthly kingdom. How do we know that? Go over to Acts real quick. And, you know, there's, there's a verse that, that, a people, that a lot of people will bring up and they'll say, uh, well, the kingdom is within you. That means it's inside of you. Well, there's two problems with that. One, nobody living during that time period thought that way. They were literally waiting for Christ to take over the rule and the reign in Rome and destroy them and take over and set up the kingdom then. Not a kingdom in your heart. Second problem is the people he was talking to were Pharisees who he said, there is nothing in you but dead men's bones. So the kingdom is not equal to dead men's bones. The other reason that we know it's a real physical earthly kingdom, Acts chapter 1. Verse 3, Jesus Christ, notice, to whom also he showed himself alive, talking about the folks that were, that were, that were with him, the apostles there, uh, after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to what? The kingdom of God. After Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, He goes up, He sends to the Father, He comes back down, and after that period of time, He spends 40 days talking to these guys about the what? The kingdom. Now, pause there for a second. <clears throat> if these men, the apostles, if these men thought that the kingdom was inside them, would they ask the question that they ask in verse 6? Notice, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? 
They wouldn't have asked that. The reason they asked that is because they knew that there was a kingdom back there with who? King David starts it off, and then you got Solomon. He builds this wonderful, wonderful thing. They know that that existed, a literal, visible, physical earth, earthly kingdom. And what are they asking? Are you going to, at this time, restore that kingdom that was here on the earth? They're, they're not looking for something inside. They're looking for a literal, visible, physical, earthly Davidic kingdom. All right? So we see that. That's the, that's the issue that they're looking for. Go real quick over to um, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Now, and, and remind ourselves, we're dealing with that millennial kingdom, right? That millennial reign. Matthew chapter 19. Let's start off in verse 27. <clears throat> then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Now, a lot of times you look at that, and I've said this before, um, that's, that's kind of a bold thing. And you kind of think, well, that's kind of selfish, Peter. But it's not. It's a legitimate question. And question, have they forsaken all? They did. He says, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. Did they follow him? Yeah, they did. Then his question is, What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye, and again, ye is plural, right? We know this that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon what? Twelve thrones. So, go back to what we asked before. How many thrones do you think are out there? Twelve. How many apostles do you have? Twelve. You're going to have twelve apostles sitting on twelve thrones. Notice what he says. Ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Didn't isn't that what we read over in, in Revelation chapter 20? That, they're, that he's going to have, here's thrones, and those that sit upon it, they're going to be judging, right? So then, what's he doing there is he's setting up what they're dealing with. Now, what's interesting is, <clears throat> that's their position that they're going to have. They didn't have it at that particular time during their their life but they will question about that if they're going to be sitting on 12 thrones in the millennial kingdom what has to take place kingdom. okay kingdom what else we have to be out of here we have to be out of here what else in order for those men to be sitting on a throne what has to happen for those men? Yeah. They have to be raised up. Yeah. They're not going to sit on 12 thrones from the grave. Does that make sense? And they're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And they've got a job to do that many people today try to fulfill and they can't. Because 
they're not part of that group. So then, when we see this over here in Revelation, that during that thousand years, you're going to have to have people raised from the dead in order to do those things. So that's really interesting. Um, So keep that in mind as we go through here as well. Jump over to chapter 21. Another reason why we know that this is a literal kingdom that's, that's, and he's not talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees saying that it's inside you. Notice Matthew chapter 21 verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, and of course what's interesting here, you've got, um, you've got, uh, you've got this parable right before this, which by the way is, is really fascinating. And, and, and you really get to look at years ago. Um, it took us, took us quite a few times to do it because we always kept having some issues. There are four trees that show up in Genesis chapter three, and they match up with four trees and judges and some other things as well. Um, you're over to Deuteronomy 33, and we see some things that's going on there. Um, but there's this, there's this right before what we're looking at. I'm just going to throw this out there just to, to take a look at. There's a parable that, that Christ teaches before he gets to what we're going to look at. So I just kind of put that out there um, for, your own, for your own thinking. But notice here. This is right after that parable. Verse 42, Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Now what's interesting is, he's talking to people that's not going to understand the parable. In fact, Parables were what? It was an actual judgment against apostate Israel. And so that, that, that's a whole other issue that we can talk about. But parables are, it was a judgment against apostate Israel because there's a point where Christ starts teaching in parables. And the only people that's going to get those parables are the little flock. They're going to understand exactly what he's talking about. But notice what he says here. <clears throat> that what? The kingdom of God shall be taken from you. And, and given to a what? A nation, singular. You go over to Luke chapter 12 and you see that same thing, right? That same issue. But that's, again, they're looking for an actual, literal, visible, physical, earthly, Davidic kingdom. That was promised way back here with Adam. Um, real quick, chapter 25. And we'll see this. And it's really interesting... Um, when, when, we, when we put these things together, notice in Matthew chapter 25, uh, let's start off in verse 31. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, um, there's, there's something that's taking place here that I want us to make sure that we keep our minds set on. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. 
And before him shall be gathered, what's those next two words? All nations. Now, I want you to think about what's going on, right? There's going to be a time where all nations are going to be before him and he's going to separate on the left and the right. But there's some other things going to take place before we get there. But notice, and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but on but the goats on the left. Then shall the what's that next word? King. He's he that's a capital K. He's sitting on the throne of his glory. Notice, say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Does that next word say promised? It says prepared, right? Who was the kingdom promised to? Israel, not the nations. It was prepared for the nations for you from when? The foundation of the earth. Was Adam was Adam a Jew or a Gentile? <laughs> he wasn't a Jew because they didn't exist at that time, right? You don't get that until you get over here to Abraham and God separates them out. So again, we've talked about it before. The first 11 chapters of Genesis, if you want to find out about how God deals with and relates with Gentiles, we need to go back and find out what did He do the first 11 chapters when He dealt with Gentiles. In fact, that's what they were called in Genesis chapter 10. So it's interesting when we figure that out and we go through there. He promised Adam who is not circumcised, he wasn't a Jew, he promised Adam, he says, I want you to go and subdue the earth and have dominion over it. You go over to Psalm and you find out that was the purpose of God creating man to put him on the earth is to have kingdom here. You go back even farther, you find out the reason God created the earth is for him a place to dwell. When, when we... When we get outside of thinking this book's all about us, <laughs> which is really not, when we get outside that thinking that the book's not just about us, but it's about a bigger issue, and it's not just, it's not just life in general now, it has a part to do with it, but it has more to do with His glory and His praise more than anything, and everything we do gets to be a part of glorifying and praising Him. But churches want to make everything in that book about you, which is one of the reasons why we have such a... You know, the, the church at large in the United States has done the Christian world a very bad disservice by not doing what they're supposed to have been doing for the past 2,000 years, specifically in the last 250 years in this country. More so, um, probably since maybe around the 60s. Past 60 years, it's gone really bad. There was a time where there was large groups of people like us that met and had very much influence in this country. That's our heritage. You ever thought about that? And I think it was O'Hare said that 
the United States will be scourged with the, uh, or would be destroyed by the scourge of Pentecostalism, and has been. And then all the other junks followed follow suit in that. Because the church at large has failed to understand that. And then we find ourselves in a situation where we are now where our nation is our God and our Constitution is our Bible. Now, I love the fact that we live in this country and I love the fact that we have a Constitution that allows us to meet right here this morning. God is my King. God is my Savior. This book is, is what matters to me. And I praise the Lord that I've grown up in a country where we have those freedoms and people's fought to keep those freedoms. So don't get me wrong. I love the fact that we live in a place where we can actually do this and we can meet and we can, we can broadcast this live and it doesn't cost us a dime and people can watch from all over the world. And I love the fact that we, and we're very fortunate to have that. But the church has created the nation as God to a whole bunch of people. And we see kind of the fruit of that, unfortunately. Because they've replaced this kingdom with the country. Now, we've talked about that for years, that <clears throat> there will be a time in this country where we're going to have to fight to keep that book in front of us. But the good thing is, is we know who wins in the end. And we can look at the situation in life and we're not going to be worried about everything else out there. What we need to be worried about is what's in here and what's in here. Not just what we have up here, what we know, but have we moved it down here and actually allowed it to work in and through us to do that. Now, that's kind of a side note. I won't charge anybody for that one. So, Matthew 25. <clears throat> he says, what? Well, there is a kingdom that's been prepared for you nations that's going to come to fruition. The Gentiles knew there's going to be a literal, visible, physical, earthly kingdom just like the nation of Israel did. They're looking for that. And that's what Christ is, is telling them here. Um, go back. Let's go back real quick. Ezekiel. I'm running out of time. It's all good. Hmm? Mark Lester made a comment and said it's only human arrogance to think the whole Bible applies to them. That's true. No, that is true. <clears throat> also, you said people all over the world can see it. You've got somebody from Cayman Islands watching you right now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Again, you know, it's it's weird. You you put stuff out. You have no idea where it goes. There, you know, we've talked about the UTB radio app that we have. Used to, for the, for the most part, the United States and Canada were like the top two. Brazil, all of a sudden, is about to take over Canada's second spot. So there's people in Brazil that's listening to that radio station, and I have no idea who they are. But you praise the Lord for that. Pakistan, all over the world, they, they're hearing other people teaching and again, you know, you put stuff out and you, have no, you never know where it goes. Um, 
we've got a lady in uh, in United Kingdom that sends money every month faithfully. Never met her. Probably never will until Shay. One in Shay. <laughs> Who'd you say, Bruce? Uh, Mike? Mark. Mark? Lester. Morning, Mark. Glad you all are with us. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> uh, all right. Ezekiel 37. Now, again, let, let's keep in mind where we're going and what we're going to do, what we're going to do with this stuff. And again, kind of laying some groundwork as we go through here. Um, Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's start off here in verse 15. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and ride upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and ride upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim. And for all the house of Israel, his companions. Now I want you to think about what's going on. There's two sticks here. By the way, um, it, when, when, when Christ talks about the, the other fold of sheep, he's not talking about the body of Christ. We have to understand that when, after Solomon died, what happened to the kingdom of Israel is it got split into two. Judah and Israel, really, right? So then you've got those two groups, the southern tribes and the northern tribes, because the northern tribes, they said, we're tired of all of our people going down to Jerusalem once a year, so we're going to create our own little Jerusalem up here, and we're going to have people stay up here so they don't move down and have to say, well, we'll just move down here and stay. So they're going to say, we're going to create our own, and that's what happens with one of the kings, and that's why they split. So you've got two different sticks here, and you've got two different sheepfolds in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Neither of those sheepfolds is included in us. It's Israel and, uh, really he's dealing with is Judah and uh, Israel and uh, uh, Ephraim. All right? But notice what happens. Notice in verse 17, and join them one to another into what? One stick. You know what he's going to do with those two groups of people one day? Is he's going to bring them together as one nation. You know, we get the idea, one nation under God in our pledge, right? Now, one nation will be under God out there, and that nation has a job to do. All right, we'll get to that in just a minute. But notice, drop down to, drop down to verse 22. Notice. Verse 21, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So what's he going to do is he's going to take the thing that man came along and destroyed by splitting it up, and he says, I'm going to take those two, and I'm going to make them one nation. I'm going to take the two sticks, make it one nation, and that one nation is going to have a job. Um, real quick, running out of time, go over to Matthew 28. <clears throat> now we've kind, of, we've kind of mentioned this on, well, didn't kind of mention it. We went through it 
pretty clearly um, on Wednesday nights, but I want you to see something real quick. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is what most churches out there call the Great Commission. Um, And they say, we're going out to all nations. Two problems with that. You're not allowed to because you're part of the nations. (laughs) This verse is talking about these people and those people that's going to go out to these people. Notice Matthew chapter 28. And there's a bunch of, and of course, time won't allow us. We'll probably pick up here next time. But notice here, let's just read this and we'll talk about some things. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, the 11 disciples here that he's, that he's dealing with, um, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, I want you to stop there for just a second. All power is given unto Christ in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, go ye therefore. Based upon the fact that all power is given to Christ, he says, now go in my name. Based upon the power that I have in the earth, you're able to go and do this. Notice, and teach all nations. Well, who's that? That's these folks out here. When Christ is talking in, 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 in Matthew chapter 10 and he says, you will not have gone over all the cities of, of Israel till I come back. <clears throat> that means when he comes back, they're still going through the nation of Israel, the cities of Israel. And he said, you're not going to go through all the cities of Israel till I come back. That great commission cannot take place until the second coming comes. That's what the verses say. And if you look here, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all who? Nations. Numbers 23.9 says, Israel is not to be numbered among the nations. So that's an important... And if again, the verses themselves take care of this. It's not based on one verse. The verses take care of it. If you just allow... Numbers 23.9, yeah. Um... Notice this. Teach all nations. What is, the, what is it that they're going to teach them? We'll look at that in just a second. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Pause there for a second. When these same 11 with Matthias are going to Israel in Acts chapter 2, what's he say? You're going to be repent and be baptized in the what? the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's a difference. Why? One baptism is for the nation who rejected Jesus as the Christ, and he says you need to be baptized in His name to accept Him as your Messiah. This has the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism for who? The nations, not Israel. So when they're out here preaching, that's the baptism they're going to do. That's different than the baptism over here in Acts chapter 2. How do we know? The words are different. That's simple. Notice, 
What is it that they're going to teach all nations? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What is it that Christ commanded them to do? Keep the law. What is it that they're going to preach to those people? Keep the law. Not salvation by grace through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to come, they will have to, during that millennial kingdom, they will have to come to those, those 12 and the 144,000. They're going to be able to go and preach this gospel. They're going to have to do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. And they're going to teach them to observe and do all things whatsoever I commanded you. That's out here. We can't fulfill that great commission. Fortunately, we have the greatest commission of all, and that's that we are ambassadors to go and preach reconciliation to the world. Now, um, there's other things that I wanted to get to, but... um, We'll stop, uh, we'll stop, we'll stop there for now. Um.